And so down the road, it'll be like a time capsule for anyone that wants to know what really happened because this happens in increments and people are not cognizant of the overtone window and the fact that we're slowly inching the needle. And that's exactly what Tavistock is about, the long directional game. It's not, while they're feeding us fast food crap and it's about instant gratification, uh, these... uh, elitists these families are all about a long-term game plan and that's why i end the movie with this myron fagan quote uh, that really encapsulates what george floyd is all about and with the global economy being in shambles and central bankers moving towards a reset It's never been a better time to protect your wealth by owning precious metals. Contact Andy at milesfranklin.com. Tell him Sarah sent you. He promised me he will guarantee you the lowest price anywhere in the country. Remember, email Andy at milesfranklin.com and tell him Sarah sent you. It's never been a better time to protect your future than now. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have the great journalist Marianne Hanin coming to the program. I just love having her come. We have great conversations. She's a friend of mine and I just love her and I love her work and how hard she works. I just like people who do really great work and she's someone who does really great work and puts her heart and soul into something that she does. And she's been investigating this George Floyd PSYOP for the last few years and has video never before seen. She's just looking at everything from a more complete perspective now that we saw more of their operation over the last few years and what they ushered in and what they're doing and how they used it to manipulate so many people. And they're still, they always manipulate people. It's just a lot of their narrative is falling apart because it's becoming so obvious to so many of us. And so we're going to talk about that. If you want to see her movie, which I highly recommend seeing it because it gives you a different perspective in things, you can get that at mymoviesplus.com. It's called The Real Timeline. And I'll have the link for it below so you can go see it. You have to subscribe you can see other movies when you subscribe. So there's a bunch of stuff up there, but you get to see her movie and it'd be great if we could support what she's doing because she works so hard at it and, and she's so censored like everybody else. And uh, she should be the type of journalist that we, we reward. But I guess in this day and age, anybody who's a real journalist is destroyed. I mean, they're really going after us. It's just incredible what we're dealing with. And that brings me to some of the stuff that I've been doing lately. I have a new site. I'm going to tell you about it. It's called United for Free Speech. I'm working with uh, Tom Rance and also General Flynn is going to be involved and I have amazing speakers up there already. We're doing an event called the Censored Conference and the, we're going to have the first one March 24th and we're going to have it about every five weeks after that. We are looking to raise serious money to fund lawsuits, fund what Tom Rents already has going on, and then additional initiatives, other lawsuits, other things that are happening, and then other political strategies. Our goal is to get this done. I'm not going to feel good until we have lawsuits that we're winning and that we have started to turn this around. 
as you know, <laughs> we're dealing with crimes against humanity and everything can fit under free speech. The COVID nightmare because they shut everything down. The human trafficking can fit under there. The Ukraine war can fit under there. I mean, so much can fit under, everything can fit under free speech. And so we are bringing on people who have been censored. It's your right to hear it. It's their right to say it. And we're going to bring people on that are great. If you go to unitedforfreespeech.com, you can see some of the speakers that we have there. Be patient with the website. It's still growing and, and coming together. But what we really, really need is we need VIP sponsors. We're looking for people who are willing to be a VIP sponsor, 5000 or above in sponsorship. And we're hoping that people who have been very disturbed by what they're seeing and have thought about it for a long time would be willing to join an advisory board. We're asking that you donate 5000 or more. We have tiers and we really need to have some uh, VIP sponsors and we want your input on what we should be going after, what we should be doing. And we're going to take this seriously, getting input from people. And we figured if you have enough passion to get involved and to donate at that level, we really want to be able to hear what you think. And I realize there's a lot of people who would like to donate at a high level, but they don't have the funds. So if you want to volunteer, we also have the need to get volunteers to help us. So if you're a professional video editor, or if there is something else that you think you could help with, we are looking for volunteers as well. People who can help work on the website. If you have some good skills with uh, WordPress and, and things like that. So if you could contact us through that website, United for Free Speech, that would be amazing. If you're somebody that wants to do a sponsorship, you can always contact me at my email address. I'll include that here. It's Sarah W at galaxconsulting.com. I never share this, but I'm going to because it's so important. So please don't bombard me with emails unless you're serious about wanting to sponsor. And I will um, also put it below in the show notes. We just really want to get this first event fully funded and more and start off setting the workload that's happening with uh, Tom Rents. He, he is so devoted to these lawsuits, but he doesn't have enough resources. There just isn't enough resources. And this is where the money should go. We, we need to fight these fights. Our priorities have to be on the good fights and we need to be focused. I tell people that we're going to do the peanut butter and jelly ministry approach to this organization. I'm not paying myself. And amazing enough, Tom Rents doesn't pay himself for any of the legal services. He just uses donations that people give him personally and some stuff he sells through his radio show and all his legal work, he donates back. And so he just is amazing, but they don't have that much many funds. So we're, we need to get funds in for that. I'm not paying myself. There's been a, some craziness in this non-profit charity world where people really get caught up in money. They take high salaries. They blow the money. We are going to be, like I said, the peanut butter and jelly ministry. There's a ministry of uh, people, two people that started a way to feed people with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They got fed up with the fact that people are doing all these big, big events to feed people and they figured we just need to do something simple. They got some peanut butter, they got some jelly, and they made a thousand sandwiches. And they are feeding the homeless a thousand people at a time. It's such an uh, inspirational story. 
But the whole point of that story is we can operate that way too. Some things can be more simple so that we can get to what is the most important. And that's what the concept of this is. We don't want to waste anyone's money, but we are very serious about the cause of what we're trying to get accomplished. So that's why I'm asking for uh, VIP donors to help us get through this this first phase. We are affiliated with the 501c3 and we you can write it off, which was important that from before that people had the ability to write it off. So we're looking for help. So please think about that. And also we want you on our advisory board to help us with direction for the organization. That being said, I also have a, a article I wrote on PSYOPs and how we got here. It's about the Smith-Mutt Act and some of the crazy things that have happened since 2012 and how they maneuvered legally so they, we could be in this situation where they're they can't censor legally. That's our First Amendment. So we have a lot of uh, means to sue them. But they legalize propaganda against the people, are on the people. So the two-pronged thing that they're doing of censoring people like us who are trying to tell the truth and get information out there, along with their heavy propaganda, is why they're getting away with operations such as George Floyd and COVID and other things that they're perpetrating against us, the Ukraine war. It's just a nightmare, and you can read that. You can see the how they went about doing that, how George Soros was involved, how the ACLU was pretty much put to pasture through money donated by Soros. And then I uh, also include some information on the Smith-Mutt Act so you can learn more about it. So that's on my website, sirwestall.com. You can read about that. And then the last thing I want to talk about is Ebonier. I have a new platform for Ebonier. And it's going to be so much nicer, but oh my God, it's a lot of work. And we're doing it at the same time that we're setting up this United for Free Speech. And so I've just got bombarded with everything all at once. I've been working so hard behind the scenes. And so I hope people are patient with me. The existing subscribers of Evanier, I hope you're patient. You can log in now and get in, but please be patient. There are first subscribers who want to go in there. John Mark Dugan, who has asylum in Russia, he has been filming. He has a press pass, but he's been filming with the Russian soldiers, and he has a video he uploaded there for me on the biolab in the Donbass region of Ukraine, and that is NATO or U.S.-funded biolab, and he has a video walking through it. So you can see that if you get up there. And then I also have um, some e-books that we published up there. The e-books library is going to be really good. And we have all the e-books that we've ever published on Abenir is now going to be more easily accessible. So that's really fantastic too. So there's more happening, but I just don't have time to get everything together for everything I'm doing right now. So I'm hoping people can be patient. The new subscribers will be able to subscribe to that in a few weeks, but right now we're just catering to the existing subscribers, make sure everything is set up. And then we're gonna invite back everybody. And even the subscribers now will be able to invite people and earn a little bit of money for getting new subscribers. And I have a dream. I want to have a community for traffic for trafficked victims, a private community that is secure that will help them where they can have ministers and doctors and people who are trained at helping victims of trafficking, MKUltra, all this nonsense that we're dealing with. And so many people out there are not equipped to deal with it because they're lied to and they tell, are told that this doesn't even happen. 
And so they just haven't, they don't have the training to deal with this kind. And so that's what I really, the dream I have for Ebonier going forward is my private community and then a place for them. But, you know, I only have so many hours in the day and we're looking for volunteers and I hope people will be patient as we, we get this going. So that being said, this is a long interview. It's a two-parter with Maryam. So I hope you take the time to listen to it. And I hope you take the time to go watch her movie at mymoviesplus.com. It's called mymoviesplus.com, The Real Timeline. So check that out. And this is part one. And look for part two. Okay, here's Maryam. Hi, Maryam. One of the best journalists on the planet I have here with me. Hi, Sarah. I'm happy to be joined with you today. Well, you put out a wonderful document. You've been putting out wonderful work for decades. And in the past, you you know, you brought the bee, honeybee issue to human consciousness. I mean, you really could be credited for doing that. And it changed a lot of people in the way they thought about things. But you've been working on so many other, other important journalistic activities since then. You were really, back then, you were supported by people in the mainstream. Now you are not. But you put together uh a video about george floyd which happened in my back of the wood but you know neck of the woods right and you have exposed a lot of things you have a book coming out from what i understand too but could you talk about this documentary and what you were trying to get done with it i one of the main amazing things is that it has footage that no one has seen right imagine that um Thank you for the intro, Sarah. And I am curious to glean your your feedback and observations, given that it did happen in your backyard. And, uh, you know, we've been in touch since um, the George Floyd event. So this film, The Real Timeline, which I had to strip the name George Floyd due to veiled threats from the estate that I can touch upon, is really to go along with a book that hasn't been, I haven't completed it. I'm 85% finished. And unfortunately, real investigations take a long time, not this McJustice uh, overnight sham show trials. And, and oh, yeah. So this is, this is, I wanted to see the chronology. I'm into details, I'm into timelines, and it's a companion. Um, so the film is out and just came out on January 16th on MLK. I uh, produced it with Sean Hibbler, who edits it for me and really realizes my vision. And then two days later, there was a live uh, live stream trial appeal of Derek Chauvin, because this is going to continue in the headlines. So I wanted to see what starts, what happens from 7.30 to him being pronounced dead George Floyd at 9 25 p.m and it was the first time recently that I as a spectator can can see it in continuity what occurred and this is very matter of fact film and like you said it shows never before seen footage because seemingly I'm the only one that didn't tap out from being a real journalist not a parrot or prostitute and purchased the footage from the government. Many people have been surprised by that, but I, I basically purchased all the exhibits from the Derek Chauvin trial. I've also purchased all the juror questionnaires and uh, all out of pocket 
because I'm very determined chick. Um, and, and really, well, you know what it shows Miriam, which is very sad because we have media, um, outlets that have so many more resources than us. And they purposely didn't want, they don't, they purposely don't want to do journalism. That's my opinion. Yeah. But keep imagine, going. Imagine April. Um, I met April Moss through Zach for he's, she's a project Veritas whistleblower i forget if she was a, working for abc or CB, cbc cbs and early on like two days later they got a memo saying that everyone was going to stand behind black lives matter and george floyd and her reaction was but we haven't even done an um an investigation and the same thing like there were death experts that were brought into the trial let's say the federal trial of the three officers that had attended a vigil for a man they didn't know. So imagine how many people die of real police so brutality ugly. and racism. And you're, you're being asked to, uh, to show respect for, so let's say we look at the uh, four funerals and I interviewed Teresa Scott who lived with George. It's not in the documentary, but it's in the, it's in the book, and um, Candace Owen also spoke to Teresa, and I asked her, so did you meet any of the family members? Because it came to light that the Floyd family did not even go pick up his personal belongings, and Teresa said, no. I said, why? She said, because of the celebrities, um, and I said to her, do you think that Shannon Tatum took it out of the goodness of his heart to go and pay respect to George Floyd, a man that he didn't know, or perhaps because things were locked down, this was a good gig. He could bust out a face diaper and go and, and pay, just have a celebrity studded funeral. And of course, like all of it is a, to me, an FU in the face of people like us that see what's going on. And well, that's why you know what's sad? Yeah. Is the black people over the centuries have been abused, right? We know it. You'd have to be blind that there isn't. But the sad part is they still are abused because they're naive and believing this stuff. They're abused and taken in by the worst of the worst. And they can't see it. They won't. They will continually be abused. I'm going to say this right now. They will continue to be abused until they stop believing their masters and the people who are enslaving them. Until then, they will be abused and they will be tricked into believing stuff. Because the more I see this stuff, the more it's so obvious that the most victimized among us are just naive. They're believing these things. We saw it really big time with COVID. But okay, I kind of got off of my, I got onto my no, soapbox. I think it's I, very permanent, a pertinent a point. And I say in the film that this helped us go from virus to violence. But in my book, I say that this event was even used to get more jabs into the arms of the number one vaccine hesitant community. That's right. For Black people also um hispanic people but specifically i believe black people there was a lot of message um, imaging throughout the rona uh, regime in the beginnings of where you see a black doctor injecting a white person and i found for instance 
NIH studies looking to Black Lives Matter to take the messaging and how to use the messaging of Black Lives Matter in order to increase vaccine confidence. And so I think, you know, if they're pretending to care about racism, manufactured systemic racism, then perhaps uh, the community, the Black community will say, oh, look, the government cares about us. Yes. But that is, uh, couldn't be further from, from the truth. Um, it's so much virtue, virtue signaling. And well, it's just incredible. I have a whistleblower who's anonymous right now, who is working with some attorneys who is in public health. And they know for a fact, the top of public health, you know, has come the top people came out and said, you know, in, in meetings that the vaccine is killing people, the vaccine quote is killing people is killing here. I'm going to read the exact quote. So I don't read it. Yeah. I'm going to tell you exactly what it was said in quotes. Um, give me one second. This is worth waiting here. We know that vaccines are killing people of color, blacks, Latinos, indigenous, indigenous people at about two times the rate of white Americans. And that came from the very top of public health officials in meetings and they covered all they're covering all this up this isn't has not been out there big time yet and the reason they're covering that up is because they would be very hesitant and instead of thinking that they are trying to hurt them you know try to kill them which they should be careful about they've been they shouldn't be this naive they actually think the government cares about them while they're killing them it's just unbelievable and this george floyd thing is another example yeah it's uh if if we recall that we were all getting antsy about the lockdowns and then they continued them um over overnight i'm curious given that you're from minnesota what what you gleaned and you know just to give you a shout out that you you helped me interview Chris Martin he's not in the documentary and I don't put him on camera but he's the boy that took the 20 and uh, speaking to him speaking to a lot of people you know like Maurice who's in my film was he the one hold on a second was was he the one that you did the tran- the 911 transcript with for didn't he call nine no, eleven or was he not, not the one who put? The, okay, no, go ahead. I, I show the boy, um, and I could tell that because when you read the transcript, it's clear. It was clear to me that this person didn't speak English. It's not his first language. Oh, I see. That's it. okay. They just lied and said it was him. Yeah, in some renditions, they they're nebulous on who made the call. And that's because there's a cover up that I discovered by asking, by asking myself, who made the, who made the call and why is Maurice saying Mr. Adam, who's Mr. Adam that he repeats like, you know, more than six times and calls for him. Like Mr. Adam is somehow going to give you um, grace and, and say that you're okay when it's established that you also had fake money 
It looks like he was working at him based on ways that he was working with them on some kind of sting operation or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And in my book, there's a lengthy chapter on the history of cup foods. And I say in interviews, consider that that milestone footage, the cameras across the street were put there to keep an eye on cup foods (laughs) because of all the shenanigans whether it's directly from them or the fact that this is in gangland, as Tutau says. And I just want to say for your listeners that a lot of people have fatigue or don't want to bother looking at something like this, this film, even though you have not seen the truth. And that reaction of like, ah, this is old news. That's exactly what they bank on. Yep. For for the truth. that is, yeah. I mean, in a in a regular in a just world, this film would be explosive, would make headlines, and there's a lot of people that are supposedly on our side. But when push comes to shove, they don't give you a hundred percent truth. Yeah, um, yeah. And and the way it works is that you have. 70, 80%, 90% truth, but then you're injecting some lies in there. And a regular person, just unless you're doing the research, you, you're busy trying to put food on the table in this manufactured economic uh, in, in recession, depression, whatever they're going for. That's right. And so it's so hard. You asked me what I saw from that. I was... Yeah. I, my initial reaction of those police officers that were on duty for three days was, wow, they're victims too, which I have to say that everybody involved, even if they were part of the plan in these day and age seem like you're victims. But beyond that, I saw some things with their behavior that I highly question now whether they were involved in all this, like that this was a planned operation. And it seems like the fentanyl, he had four times the lethal dose of fentanyl in his system, which are three times. I thought it was four times, three times. Regardless, that's like, that should be, should have been in the news. It wasn't. And Derek Chauvin really does seem like a victim, but at the same time, it seems like maybe they were all in on some operation and he wasn't supposed to die, but they used somebody who was involved in drugs and the operation went awry. Right. That's a, yeah, that's interesting. Well, that's now that I don't know, but go ahead. Now that I've seen it all and based on all my research that, you know, I'll establish this, like Joel Gilbert directed um, the Trayvon Martin hoax. And in early on in my exhaustive investigations, I watched the film. I reached out to him. I interviewed him. I've interviewed um, dozens of people for the book to try to understand this world and deconstruct what was going on. So on one end of the spectrum, you have someone like Joel Gilbert who believes that Benjamin Crump gets tons of these stories, these incidents. And as you saw, he's just put on this latest, uh, Benjamin Crump is the go-to guy Mm. that they can co-opt it. Then at the other end of the spectrum, my the editor, Sean Hibbler, who did a film in August 2020 called the psychological operation that is more looking at George Soros and Antifa and is an excellent film 
but not looking at the minutiae of the timeline, he thinks that it's all fake. So as a journalist that's bringing receipts, tons of them in the book, I am more in the middle where I think that it is an operation. I The book is called a multi-layered PSYOP examined. And I say that if George Floyd was a stone, he would have killed a lot more than two birds. So yeah. when it comes time to the federal trial of the three officers, what they were really scrutinizing the police manual. And they were also talking to trainers live scenario we know thanks to uh, event 201 and even in billy boy gates's latest book chapter seven is called practice 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 we can also refer to mike pompeo in in march 2020 saying we're in a live exercise so given all of this that we're the lab rats there are all sorts of live exercises in this trial that nobody really covered they say that sometimes accidents can happen and one of the objectives is to make it as true as possible so what if you have these different players and not all of them know the full scope of what's going on they have their role but it's not necessarily their uh they know the the entire thing it's compartmentalized and what if let's say george because you see the 2019 arrest and yep. it's almost like what i hear what comes to me is like you know george that thing that you did do it again but this time say i can't breathe i personally do not think it's just happenstance that we have this i can't breathe literally the dawn the the night before of ushering in mask mandates and then you have people in face diapers saying i can't breathe it's like the sick ritual that occurred. And then when you find out, oh, Eric Garner also said, I can't breathe 11 times. He also was represented by Benjamin Crump. Mm. And this was also back then a rallying cry for Antifa. But yeah. like what you said, because of people's, people have blind spots. And so they can't see the full orchestration. So for instance, someone like Chris Martin, he's been a victim of police brutality and racism. But could his mind conceive such an orchestration? No, um, he's he has he's eclipsed by his own biases, and and that's what happens because there are, you know, like I believe now that Maurice really does believe what he's saying, what, whether it's a coping mechanism, and it's amazing that he on his own brings introduces the notion of the Masons, because I. I wanted to make this very matter of fact, but I, I wanted to touch on the Illuminati without being called conspiratorial. And you have Maurice come to his own conclusion that the attorneys are all part of a Masonic cult. And then I say to him, although it's not in the doc, yeah, Maurice, it's not just the, it's not just the attorneys. Yeah. It's not every attorney, but it's, a, and a lot no. of attorneys don't even know a part of it, but right. That, that's the whole thing. I think that there's something about George Floyd messing up the PSYOP and then ended up being dead. Like he, 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 he actually probably made it better for them because he died, but then that ended up being a conundrum because now all these officers had to 
deal with this death thing. So it's probably better. And they don't give a crap if people go to jail and stuff with little minions who are just part of a, you know, thing. But then now they have this problem of trying to keep everybody to shut up. And so they just have to keep everybody out of the media as much as possible. And the mainstream media complies a hundred percent. They're so bad and so complicit in so many crimes. Absolutely. One, I think that's why Maurice got locked up because he's a loose end. And it was suggested to me that it was maybe my, my interviewing him or my prodding that contributed to his uh, imprisonment during the federal trial. I was in Miami at the time and my logic was I wasn't able to be there. So instead of getting just one reporter's pool notes, I got four or five so that I can cross-reference and fill in the gaps with all the context. But initially I thought, okay, I'll call the journalists or I'll email them mm -hmm. and, um, Either they, oh, I don't remember when I emailed and then I, I had called Lou Ragazze of CARE 11, which is NBC, and he literally said, my boss told me not to speak to people like you. Oh, yeah, what? you can't because you're a conspiracy theorist because you're actually doing journalism. And so I can't speak to people like you because we are too busy parroting what they tell us to parrot. And then the naive people around here, if you want me to tell you the truth, I'm pretty irritated with how um, uninformed people are around here. They're worse <laughs> than almost any other place on the planet. I, I honest to God. You mean and Minnesota? Minnesota. Yes. It's yeah. so bad. And yeah. maybe there's a lot more people here that know, and they're just too afraid to say anything. And so they just be quiet, you know, but there's, there's a lot of dumb people around here that so everywhere Sarah. Oh, I know maybe everybody says their place is the worst <laughs> everybody thinks that for a reason because they're just so fed up with people just not thinking it's like you're just not thinking people you're letting these people totally manipulate you and they're they just take it hook line and sinker and they're so naive and I think that George Floyd is just such a perfect example of it. And so all the little nuances that you're finding and that you're showing people is, is exactly what people need to see. A lot of people can't hear it. They won't see it. They won't believe it. There's, you, I don't know how you get to them because no matter what you show people, it's not the facts they need to see. They need to somehow be moved emotionally. And I don't know what that is. I, this the psyop or the psychological programming they have people in is so powerful it is so amazing gosh i you know you almost want to study just how they did it because they've been working on this for decades how to control people to this level so yeah, your your documentary are one of those things that maybe could snap people out of their hypnosis i don't know well but, okay Go, go ahead, say what you want say, to say. Well, hopefully what it allows at least is to have a deeper conversation because now That's people right. are seeing a fuller picture for one. And, and these operations are bank on uh, triggering a uh, collective wound where your emotional response eclipses any rationale thinking. Um, when I was, I was in Tampa, and I was just, I was at a Mark Farina 
I mean, it's just DJ. And I, I, I was, someone came to sit beside me and it turned out he was from Minnesota and he witnessed the evidence room being uh, pretty much torched. And he posted the evidence on WeChat and WeChat went and deleted all of the footage. And he, so people on the ground, they know how this was manufactured. And, and also uh, I did one interview and uh, a pilot came forth and told me that weeks leading to the, pro the riots, he, and this was early on in the lockdown. So they were being put in hotels that are swankier than usual. And it was in Detroit, I believe, and in St. Paul. And he was uh, put in below the penthouse. And he said in both both places, the two floors were filled with what looked like gang members. And I wonder where whether some of those prisoners that were released that we were like, why are yeah, they releasing yeah. prisoners if they were recruited? Also, in August, I think there, I think it was August, they were starting to organize the White House siege. And it was Adbusters out of Canada that was doing a cast, well, I call it a casting call. The idea had been that they were going to occupy La Lafayette Square. But then when, when it came down, they used an excuse that they were rained out, which is, makes no sense. But I would... I wonder whether they were doing a casting call because they were looking for BLMers and Occupy Wall Street and uh, just people that, that are against Orange Man. Anyway, yeah. so I think there was it was manufactured. There's a lot of things. You know, I, I my logic was, well, if I show all of these little details and then I create a tapestry of truth, you can see all the inconsistencies, like I say, in the film and blow the lid off of this psyop and then perhaps educate people on, you know, other, it's, I mean, this is age old, this, these false yes. flag psychological operations. They're so good at it. I, I, I think that Catherine Offson Fitz, when she was on my program a long time ago, before COVID, she said this, we were talking about sandy hook and some other things and she said they they brought out the b team for sandy hook i mean i had to say it wasn't even the b team it was like the you know yeah the b squad and the point was is they've in the past they have been really good at these these false flags the difference i think between right now and um they they don't care if they screw up the details of the flag because they have the media completely controlled completely yeah completely bought off so they know that no matter what they can just have to sort of get the psyop or the optics right and then they go from there they don't care there's journalists like us or like you in particular who like points out all these inconsistencies and they're saying what the heck guys this isn't even close to what you're telling us in the media and we need to have a come to Jesus kind of thing over this because this affected the whole world. And now you're, you, you, you're censoring every person like me who actually looks at the details and does our job. I mean, what right. the heck we're in backwards world, but what do you, what do you think is the most important thing you found in that documentary? In the documentary? I mean, I think the book 
is a hundred times more truth bombs even than the sure I'm sure the, the film but let's say I were to ask you Sarah who organized the funerals for George Floyd who what would you say to me well I heard you in an interview with Zach okay. <laughs> but I would say I would have guessed it was Black Lives Matter and other you know charity groups but that's not the correct answer is it who did it didn't tell the audience it's the government it's a PR firm for the government a PR firm that has ties or has had ties to the Podesta group has uh, had involvement in illegally paying an NGO in the Ukraine um, to start painting positive relate perspective of the Ukraine back in 2016 a firm that has uh, long-standing ties to Al Sharpton and that in itself you know would the government organize your funeral or my funeral of course not um well you know, this I is think- the perfect example of how the legislation that was put in place under Obama which allowed the government to right. propagandize the people that's what they're doing right and also as people have fatigue and are like i'm sick of this story even though again you have not seen the way i've presented it there continues to be regulations that are put in place that are affect all of us and you could argue for instance that these trials are not real yeah. if you think to the extent that that these officers are not really in jail but the repercussions are real on all of us and i stand for innocent until proven guilty and thanks to an event like this we're inching our way to guilty until proven innocent and so you can i'm not down or understand why derek continued two minutes and 53 seconds after george was clearly passed out Uh, however i do think that he's also proverbially dead and um, do I think like speaking to his current attorneys that have seen the movie or received the movie, they they seem real to me. The appeal 82 page brief, very well written, seems real to me, outlining all the holes in this trial. The lawyer two weeks ago after the live stream told me, well, until, you know, similar to your suit, you know, until it gets to the Supreme Court, which is going to take two to three years, then nothing's going to really happen. So if it does get to the Supreme Court, which is going to take, that means that George Floyd is going to be in the headlines that long. And when the uh, the PR firm, the person who represents Al Sharpton, her mission was keep George Floyd in the headlines as long as possible Uh, well the sad part is this guy was as you know he he's not a great model for people of color and he's being put what are you talking but they're putting him yeah i know and they're putting him up like he's freaking jesus and i think that's abusive too i just it's so abusive it makes me so angry you know i have kids that are of color they look kind of like you. My son does. My daughter doesn't as much. She's always think people because you're from Egypt, right? Or you're not from Egyptian Egypt, but you're Greek. yeah, yeah. My heritage. Yeah. My my son my son looks Middle Middle Eastern, even though he's Hispanic. 
and wow. people just can't tell yeah and um so I, you know i it just pisses me off what they when it's your own kids it it means more to me than it being me you know what i mean <laughs> i might as well be I, I when something happens to my children it hurts me more than if it happens to me is my point point. and so it's so deeply disturbing when i see them play games like this yeah, I just, take advantage of people praying. It's so abusive. I, I wonder if uh, your daughter, I wonder if Chris Martin saw the film, what he would say. I could tell you that while I was interviewing him, which must be more than a year ago now, throughout the interviews, like, wow, this is deep. Like, he didn't know half the stuff that I knew. And he was on the on the scene. He didn't even know that his boss, Mike, had been uh, charged with sexual assault of a 14 year old and the shenanigans that have happened downstairs in the mosque. Yeah. But I think he was young to be to, for, to, in his defense, he yeah. was only what, 18 or 17. I'm not that, faulting him. I'm, no, I'm just, I'm just saying. saying that he was just this guy that worked this part-time job as a, and he, he um was going through a lot of trauma with it, you know, because yes. it really bothered him a lot and the poor kid. And that's why my daughter reached out to him because she knew him through school and stuff and said that he was going through a lot of personal issues with that. It really affected him because he was a good person. That's what the point was. And um, yeah, they, they just use people like that. They don't care. They used him. And then I, I said, you know, Chris, how about your black life? How much did you raise from GoFundMe? Nothing. I said, how long are you going to be processing this trauma? He said the rest of my life. I said, so why, does Darnella get to raise $700,000 and you don't get anything? Same thing with Maurice, who I think Maurice was like, oh yeah. Tell people who Maurice is just quickly again so people understand. Maurice Lester Hall. Because he's a big character in this. Yes, he's, he's prominent in the film and he was with George that day and he's being kept with Shawanda Renee Hill across the street and nobody paid attention to what was being said. But after watching the videos, all the body worn footage hundreds of times that I was able to discover a cover up that is exposed in the film that nobody has brought to your attention on this planet, but is a central part of how this went down or why this went down. So Maurice, he, Initially, I well, I suspected that he was a snitch and I suspected that he set George up and that he was scum. Um, you see that he gets released and it's curious because it's established that they both had counterfeits. So that didn't make any sense to me. He escapes. He has an outstanding arrest. He escapes back to Texas. And on June 2nd, he gets arrested as a fugitive out of state. June 3rd, all the charges are dropped his case is sealed he's found to have the beginnings of something called intellectual disability and then the next day as i say in the film like all mentally ill convicted felons he's doing good morning america and so from the outside i was like this guy struck a deal with the government and i suspect that he's a snitch so i did a foia and i i find Wow, I'm right. He was for a hot minute contributing 
you know, he'll argue that he only gave the name of someone who was already in jail. And then he stopped um, helping them. But Maurice could have still been what is called an unwitting informant. In any case, I had his number. I call him and uh, I didn't expect him to pick up. And then we established a relationship. And, you know, he said to me, you know, Mimi, which is my nickname in black and white. I read like a piece of shit. And I said, yeah, I know, Maurice. I thought you were a piece of shit. So it's also you know, you can make mistakes. I, I, I've i come to care about Maurice and I dedicate the film to him. And I think that he exemplifies how only some Black Lives Matter and how, you know, I sat in on the, when when he was charged, they resuscitated all of his charges from 2019 and they've put him behind bars for five years for a charge, ironically, choking his baby mama. And the baby mama tried to drop the charges and the government would not let her. Um, so I think that he's a loose end. And, uh, he, you know, people are eclipsed by their own blind spots. And so yeah. he's been a victim. They can't see beyond. Just like you and I, Sarah, in these two years, how much we've learned, how many more peels of the onion that we've removed to really see how insidious and deep these orchestrations and these manipulations go and so when you say they're really good at it so is hollywood right yes yeah look at hollywood and what they create to think that hollywood doesn't work with the government when you learn that the cdc literally pays its employees to watch soap operas that the cdc is so involved in any health related show whether it's gray's anatomy or ER, whatever. Um, look at the movie Contagion that that early on they took pages of the script and they slapped it across the world. Yes. And it's the similarities between the literal script of Contagion and what we experience in the first year of the Rona. So, you know, saying the emphasis here, one of the many talking points was believe your eyes, believe your eyes. We and they needed something on camera. Because they know that that is a way to fool people. So people will look beyond movie magic, will be, look beyond Hollywood's powers, will be, look beyond camera perspective bias, which I show in the film, um, the different angles. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, you, you've covered mass psychosis. So, so you see how people have been bamboozled despite being intelligent i think my dad is intelligent he's a mechanical engineer he's a math whiz he's smart but yet he's been duped and he's living in fear and uh, that's the problem is we have the people who think they're the smartest in in society are the ones who have really been duped and they just don't know what to do with themselves right now half people are still in cognitive dissonance and then the other half are just sitting there on the sidelines, not knowing what to do. That's what I think. But I, I would not want to live my life in a, a sham. So I want to know the truth. It's very difficult. I I, uh, I think I shared with you the PDF, but I offer it on MiriamHinane.com. So I was, I think it was, um, I was in a program with Kurt, Courtney Turner and she's taken a deep dive into Tavistock mm -hmm. and uh, 
there's a book by John Coleman. So I went to Amazon to purchase it, but it was $5,000. I remember and that. Then, I used to saying that. Yeah, now it's a special price of $500. So what I did was I found a PDF and I offer it for just a donation as little as $5 um, to, and once you read that, you really understand how these Intel script writers work. And you learn that Tavis, that Tavistock was involved in, you know, Woodstock was a sham and, and the counterculture was a sham and Beatles was a sham. And it's, desert, it's, it, it, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's uh, off-putting. Well, it is off-putting because, well, here's the deal with the Beatles is they probably had to kill Lennon because he, he went rogue on them, but they're talented individuals that did, did stuff. And so it's not all, it's a legit stuff with, that they use to do their agendas. Right. Yeah. That's a better, better way, better distinction. And yeah, just like JFK, these people are part of the system and then if they go off and they think that they have freedom or they can pierce the veil. And so I grew up thinking if I work hard, I'm a hard worker bee and I produce excellence because that's what I aim for in this mediocre age, that I will make advances. And then coming to the unfortunate conclusion, and I'm sorry if this sounds you know, not inspirational, but, but that there's, you can't pierce the veil. Well, I think you can, because you have in the, in the, in our, in the people who, from the respect that you want, you have for certain. Sure. But I'm not talking about me specifically, but I'm just saying, and sorry to interrupt you. No, keep going. I'm the one interrupting you. My people watch, there'll be messages all over the comment (laughs) field saying, don't interrupt her. But anyways, keep going. No, not at all. <laughs> the conversation. Um, I know it's a great conversation. I I just feel the mainstream. The the you, you can you can make little inroads, but consider let's say the the Shadowland smear series that's parading as a documentary that's really reality TV drivel garbage. That they cut out all instances of me saying George Floyd. So if they had mentioned it once, what it would have done to people to come and see what is this chick doing um, and, and to learn. But they purposely left it out of the um, on the cutting room floor. And then there are, I won't name them, big time influencers in our movement that could easily just with a retweet, Sarah, yeah. make a difference because this film is her past has surpassed the views. This is represented, uh, the distributor is My Movies Plus because I marry them, even though they did a deal with me to allow me to offer it on Vimeo. Well, Vimeo only takes PayPal and I've been banned since 2017. So I literally wouldn't be able to um, offer this movie. Uh, So this movie has surpassed views on The Real AJ, the documentary that came out on Alex Jones. I know that the people who have uh, the amazing feedback that I've gotten from this um, from this film, and I know that I've produced excellence. I'm very proud of it. But it's still being, in my case, what they do is they just shadow ban me. Or, oh, yeah. You know, and of course, they do the same thing to you and to many of us. Oh, yeah. Well, see, I'm, I'm to the conclusion, and this is where maybe there is a little hope. 
we just have bad guys running it. And I know running things right now, they're just people. I don't want to say, I think we create this big mystic thing in our mind that there's something more than they are. They're just people. And they, we just happen to get ourselves in a mess where the worst of the worst of us have made their way up. It's because the best of us kind of get sick of it, settle down and just want a really good life with our families and friends right. and everything else. And so the worst of us are the ones who will um, work really hard to get to the top under normal conditions. Now, under these kind of conditions, we have the best of us uh, and the worst of us. The worst of us are always involved. We have the best of us coming out right now saying, hell with this, we have to get involved. And so if there's enough of us that do that, we will change this situation because they're just human beings who were scum of the earth who happen to be in power and we allowed it for many centuries. Well, yeah. Honest people, to God. People are just uh, just doing their job. And uh, it's, I mean, I have fatigue. I'm exhausted. Um um, because I'm an empath and I take, you know, I feel, I yes, feel things yeah. and, uh, I, I know that many of us are, but we continue, I, I'm done personally trying to convince people who don't want to uh, listen. And I also, with this book that I hope to God will be finished in the spring and with this movie, I see us as scribes and down the road. This is a historical event. They they are comparing this guy to Jesus, his making <laughs> the modern Messiah. And so down the road, it'll be like a time capsule for anyone that wants to know what really happened because this happens in increments and people are not cognizant of the overtone window and the fact that we're slowly in the needle and that's exactly what Tavis talk is about the long dire directional game it's not while they're feeding us fast food crap and it's about instant gratification uh, these uh elitists these families are all about a long-term game plan and that's why i end the movie with this myron fagan quote uh, that really encapsulates what george floyd is all about and, uh, you know, the plan to convince the dark races that the whites are after them. And why, them. why, why do they need that right now? Why do they need to convince the blacks to, to really see us as so bad? Well, it's, and also to convince the whites that, oh, yeah. that, that to instill that we're bad. guilt with them, right? The, all this white guilt, this this kneeling bullshit, excuse my language, uh, this fragility, this Karens, it's all about divide and conquer ad nauseum. And uh, I mean, when I found that quote, it's from 1967, we're in tw mm -hmm. 2023. And, and it really exemplifies. They can't have us unite, right? I mean, they just can't have us unite. No, and it's like, to me, I say, you know, this this left, right, blue, red, it really, what has been more divisive than the V? The V that it's like a chicken bone, both, you know, how many families, including my own, um, including, you know, we all have stories of how yep. this V has divided us. And they even had to change the definition of the V 
to fit the fact That's that it's right. therapy. So now they, we can't say it's a vaccine because we've changed the actual definition of what a vaccine and we're, we've been you know, uh, going after a witch hunt, let's say homeopathy, which homeopathy is like you put a little bit of the of the poison and you you create an immune response. And, and that's kind of what old jabs used to be, old vaccines used to be before the 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 um, mRNA gene therapy, which you could read Ray Kurzweil's book, The Path to Singularity, where he basically says the mRNA is the way in which they will replace the human cell with nano.